0: Hey everybody, thank you for joining the show. A little bit of a different episode today. Uh, having a comic friend on, and instead of having an academic guest talking about scientific research, I thought with the holiday season, an especially trying year that has people thinking about mortality and health and what is life all about and and reprioritizing things and having to uh, uh, perhaps uh, compromise a lot of their usual rituals and traditions and and thinking about their various belief systems or questioning uh, uh, science or or spirituality or just wow, just so many. Uh, this uh, there's never been quite a year for reflection quite like this and um, I just thought uh, I want to have a spiritual conversation with someone outside of academia and Pete Holmes is uh, has some of my best takes we've had uh, been been lucky enough in, in um, uh, getting to call Pete my friend in, in the few times that we've uh, hung out outside of podcasting and stuff that we've had some of the just uh, most incredible philosophical conversations and he has this, this uh, book that I'm uh, this autobiography of his uh, comedy sex God is so terrific I've been wanting to plug it forever been working on developing a second podcast so I can put all of the other aspects of things that I'm into comedy and philosophy and maybe getting different artists and musicians on and and stuff like that I can be a little uh, I'm a little protective of my of my here we are space but uh, this was just, I, I I wasn't getting everything together as perfectly as I wanted to in terms of my second podcast, which I still plan on hopefully launching sometime in February or something if I can uh, get everything else in order for that. I have several recorded already. And... Uh, I I just thought the timing was right and I just I I just habitually always just I I tend to put things off waiting for things to be exactly perfect and exactly how I have them planned out in my mind sometimes and I just didn't want to miss out on an opportunity for uh for you guys to hear uh from my friend Pete Holmes for you guys to hear a a different perspective for you guys to maybe check out uh, a book a uh, comedy sex god which is a fantastic autobiography for you guys to check out as you're streaming check out his hbo show crashing which you know i say this i say this to his face on the show i wouldn't blame you if you thought i was kissing butt i wouldn't blame you if you thought well shane you're biased this is a friend of yours all those things may be true but gosh darn it this show crashing on hbo brought me so much joy so many laughs and i thought was just the most authentic representation of life starting out in comedy yes it's zoomed in and packed forward and and maybe isn't uh uh, it doesn't follow along the 10 to 20 years of trials and tribulations that it takes to, uh, to get some of the first breaks, but uh, within, um, within the format of, of uh, cr- compressing um, a, a lot of a, a comic like Pete's career, it's really cool and thoughtful and honest and hilarious. So check out his show, uh, Crashing on HBO. Then, maybe sometimes books are a little uh, harder to get people to crack open, a little tougher sell, easier to get people to click on the old tube, but maybe you watch that be like, oh, I know a little bit more about this guy. How How true is some of this stuff? Check out his autobiography comedy sex god you guys are awesome give me some feedback on this episode maybe i'll get some more comic friends on in uh in the future but the plan is at the moment to create a second podcast to uh uh, to venture out into uh, a lot of other aspects of the things that i'm interested in enjoy the show thanks for watching are we yes where are we here why are we here not entirely
1: clear we are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all
0: it's immensely bizarre here we are
1: I can't do
0: it. You can't? You're you're (laughs) one of the best. (laughs) You're one of the
1: best.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, you nailed it. You just need to warm up a little bit. How are you?
1: I'm good, man. Nice to see you. I love the beard. Uh, What took you so long? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> to, to finish the look you've been a bearded man for so long and now you finally have the beard look at look at all this look yeah dude yeah is that just the quarantine yep yep you, just you got quarantine. that fast growing beard i feel like that's a two-year beard
0: yeah i'm uh oh hold on a second let me i'm still figuring out how to manage this long hair situation i understand um, you've had,
1: you've had hair that length. Be- this is the, the longest it, it's been. This is, okay. this is long. Yeah. That's long, And it does get, in, it get in my face. Look how long it, Jeez, I didn't even realize it's super long. Let's uh, just do it like this. Let's be what the government thinks we are, man. <laughs> does, is this what the government,
0: if, if we like, if we had a politician be like, Hey, can you draw uh comedian podcaster like your idea it would look it would just look like this
1: comedian podcasters (laughs) who speak a lot about psychedelics i think they would draw (laughs) i think they would draw you and then uh uh, maybe a a lower class congressperson would draw me (laughs) (laughs)
0: uh how have you been how's your uh how's your quarantine-ish thing happening how, uh, you know, it's,
1: it's always different. Um, Val and I made a joke where we were like, the funny thing about quarantine is every week, every day, you open up the newspaper, your internal newspaper, and the headline is, How Pete Feels. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's always like a delivery. Like, Is it going to be a day where it feels sort of sad that every day is the same? Or is it going to feel kind of cozy and monastic? Or is it gonna? Or there are some days where I forget what's happening, um, only because I'll take a weekend away from my phone, or I'll take a weekend away from my computer at the same time. And on those weekends, if you're just hanging out with your baby and and Val, um, you can walk outside and then go like, "Oh right, <laughs> like I'll, I've walked out of the house without my mask," which I always think is a good mental break for me, like to. Yeah. Obviously, I take it very seriously, and right. it's healthy for me to some days go like, "Oh right, yeah." There, there's a huge thing happening.
0: I'm in Wisconsin, and so all summer it didn't like the the number of things that I needed to tweak in my life to not really even think about it was just avoid public places was it yeah, like i yeah. didn't have to i didn't really even have to wear a mask because i was never around anybody i just went for hikes and stuff like that
1: and, yeah and that's what we were doing we've been spending some time in ojai i'm in la now but we've been in ojai and we were renting well we still are actually renting this place that's on a farm it's not our farm it's their guest house but um it's like It's like four acres or something. And that four acres adjoins other land. I'm realizing now that this sounds very maybe hoity-toity, like must be nice sort of stuff. I wanted to do a bit about- Let's
0: get into the Suffering Olympics instead. Oh, no, I can't. I shouldn't complain living in my parents' basement because there's other people (laughs) that don't have parents with a basement they can stay in. And there's also the starving people
1: lit on fire at this very (laughs) moment. Don't forget them. Don't Don't forget forget them. Um, No, you're right. I'm just sort of, maybe let's convert that into gratitude. I'm grateful that we were like, let's find a place that has land. And it's for that very reason is that we don't have to mask up because there's nobody there and even if you go to the grocery store in Ohio, of course i'm being very cautious and hand sanitizing and masking and all that but like um there's just way fewer people yeah i go i go on the hike here there's a hike i go on in la it's 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 a street but it's a up street so i call it a hike and it's like playing paper boy you run into (laughs) like there's literally, like, guys moving a sheet of glass, and I'm just like, why is everybody out at two on a on a Tuesday? Uh, is there
0: really this many people jackhammering a sidewalk on this <laughs> many blocks in a row? Yeah. Am yeah I, how many windows can I throw this paper through
1: before, before I'm, fired? I'm fired? Do you remember when that was a thrill? That used to be a thrill. Like in junior high, I remember it was a thrill to leave your shoelaces untied. Like that was like a bad boy move. Wait a second. Oh, sure. <laughs> hold on. That was, I mean, you don't remember like in junior I, high. No, hold maybe, on. There's, maybe maybe like second grade. Let's separate a couple second things grade, here, though. Grade. I
0: remember people sometimes like not lacing their shoes of like i always connected it to like it's a look or like it makes it easy to slip i didn't know it made it made you a bad boy
1: when you were a kid the only i
0: think you had a different standard for what a bad
1: boy was though in your upbringing then that could be but then i did i think i'm i'm i said junior high i really meant grade school like in second grade third grade if you were the kid that didn't tie his shoes, that was like smoking a cigarette.
0: Like those things could just go flipping right off his feet a- at any right. a- time. And he doesn't care. What Reckless what? abandon. Who's on a skateboard with their shoelaces undone? You Whoa. have no skateboard at that age. That's my point. Uh, okay. You have All nothing. Right. You have whether or not
1: you tie your shoes. And that <laughs> is leaning on a Corvette smoking a cigarette is not tying one of your shoes. Can- um, yeah.
0: Well, I want to ask you because I so you're you're the first uh for the listener. I've been meaning I've been wanting to um to get you on to uh I've been I've been thinking about developing a podcast. I feel so disconnected from the comedy community because the last like 8 years I've I've diverged down this path of like getting more and more into science communication and i was like i'm gonna start this new podcast about the meaning of life and have a bunch of my comic friends on and then finally that hasn't come together i'm like i'm just gonna have pete on my show why do i need to stick to having uh insect researcher on every single episode but yeah here here's something so your your book comedy sex god an autobiography I had, and this has to do with the conversation that we're having right now, where you just had this hilarious, funny thought from your childhood that was not in the book, at least that I remember from my, I read half of it, and I listened to the full thing on audiobook, which you're you're great great at reading your own voice, (laughs) congratulations, but- Here's the thing. I I went to go and do a like a autobiographical episode just in my podcast. Just, that's it. Just talk for an hour about myself and and my history, and to give the listener some context. And I put it off doing this for like a year, maybe two years, because all of these things came along with doing it. One was a little bit anxiety, but another was how do I pick between. These, these memories, what, what do you choose when you're putting together? And it actually made me think of, uh, and I think you're going to really like this a lot. It's this kind of way in which, um, the brain selects autobiographical memory. So, so say you meet someone at a bar and they're like, what's your deal? And you have like five minutes to tell them your life story. Or someone asks you, what's, what's the most like, uh, uh, what was the thing in your life that shaped you the most or whatever or you're writing an autobiography that's that changes the criteria of the mind of like how much you're able to pick in. And then if you're like, what's the most critical thing and say just just for listeners that m- might know us from me being on your show, say it's like breaking my feet, psychedelics and comedy, I need to pick between one of those things. I think what the brain is doing is creating parallel universes and simulating where would I be right now had one of these things not happened and then factoring in the difference between where you are and where you imagine you would have been is like that angle that difference is is how the brain's picking. Oh, this was the most salient thing. So, like, Breaking the Feet was, like, kind of different. Psychedelics, kind of different. Comedy, whole different life altogether. And that's the one that I pick. When writing an autobiography, how many choices did... How did you determine, like, this was the critical thing that I need to include... This is the bait This is this hilarious story, or this this funny analogy about tying not tying your shoes. That I guess doesn't really move the
1: story of my life along. What was that whole process like? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, that made me think of Seinfeld. Has this thing about jokes that reminded me of like you want a, a sharp line, you want a big descend or ascend if something didn't happen. Yeah, and he says that jokes is getting like is is like getting an audience to jump from one cliff to another cliff Mm. and he's like if the ravine is too wide meaning the (laughs) premise is too complicated they fall in and they don't make it but if it's too short they just hop over and there's no titillation so for some reason that made me think of that it's similar your brain is going like what is the juiciest It's a great question. Mike Brabiglia, who's uh, one of my dearest friends and and an inspiration to me creatively as well. He always said, if you're not telling secrets, who cares? That's something he says to me all the time. (laughs) So really the best thing that I did for myself when writing, because the label autobiography, that's just like, well, that's something I'll noodle with on the vineyard until I'm 72, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it's a cliche that somebody has their autobiography printed out in the trunk of their car and it's six boxes and because it's your life. You can write about anything. You can write about the shoelace thing or whatever. But when I was like, look, I want to write a, a, a book about God. It's called comedy sex God. Cause those are the three subjects, but really it's, it's my life in religion and spirituality as seen through comedy and sex. Um, that really your brain has no problem. If somebody in a bar said, tell me that your relationship with relig- religion, I don't think you'd have a hard time finding those early church years, the moment of disillusion, if it exists and the moment of return, if it exists. So that, that was a really easy thing to give my brain. Cause mm. then I, I mean, I wrote whole chapters like that were like some funny story. Um, and then my editor, the great Luke Dempsey was very helpful. And he was just like, I, I just don't think that, has anything to do with what you're talking about. You're, you're on Amazon or whatever, it's, it's spiritual autobiography. It's not an autobiography, it's, it's a spiritual, mm. it's really sort of a trick. It's not like a, a nasty trick, but nobody, or <laughs> so many, let's put it this way, so many wonderful people, meaning my people, people that I love, uh, comedians, whatever, don't wanna talk about religion, or, and they certainly don't wanna talk about spirituality So if you say, that's why the the title of the book is, hey, I'm gonna talk about comedy, I'm gonna talk about sex, I'm gonna talk about God. Those are three interesting things. But then when you get into the mix of the book, it's like, hey, now that you're here, can I tell you like the most important things in my life? I'll always do it through the guise of a story and a joke and like, it'll be funny. um, And it'll be certainly not like um, pious or or pristine. It'll be dirty and weird. Um, But I wanted to write a book about spirituality and I thought the, the best way to do that would be to be like, can I tell you my story, focusing on those moments in church, focusing on getting married when I was 22, going to Christian college. And then, and then the stories, it wasn't that, um, it wasn't that gutting to sit and try and remember. I find mm-hmm. that on my podcast, I go like, everybody's an atheist when I uh, talk to them, which is totally valid and wonderful. And then when we get talking, then if i say what was your experience with religion almost everybody has some experience with religion some people were raised atheists but most people found it and then before you know it they're telling a story and then if you keep going and you say like look deities and stories aside how do you make sense of consciousness and how do you how do you frame it in your mind what's going on here and usually they will will arrive at some sort of vague where it's like energy or, or willfulness, or um, a drive, or a zeal to exist that the, that nature exhibits. Like it's fucking itself. It wants to be. That's another way to say it, it's attracted to itself. There's a yearning, like even even the most hardcore scientists worth their salt witnesses the yearning of. The universe of cells it wants to be as evidenced by the fact that it exists you know it wants to be and it and it wants to you burn a forest down it's going to want to grow again it, it, it's it's sexy kind of in that way so throw away all the symbols and the stories you still have the predicament that we're both stuck in which is what's going on here yeah. and everybody wants to have that conversation unless right. you're really just a a ham and egg'er, salt of the earth guy. You just want to talk about, I don't know, uh, <laughs> what what's
0: happening here? Oh no, thank you. I, I mean, think so, th- there yeah, are that, that's a lot of the population. I I think actually. Sad, I think like sadly,
1: going to the museum. I, I I it's an analogy I make in the book. Um, a lot of people don't like going to the museum either, and a lot of people don't like ballet. A lot of people don't like classical music. Um, and for a lot of my life, I've considered myself one of those people until somebody like helped me see that go, there's no wrong way to go to the museum, meaning your ticket to being uh, invited to discuss what it is that we woke up into, the conundrum that we were sort of lunged into without our consent or any memory of what happened before. Um, your being here is what makes you qualified to talk about spirituality. You don't need a, a master's in the divinity and you don't even need to have all the answers. I, I think, I don't think anybody has all the answers. In the same way that going to the museum, what a painting means to you is what the painting means. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to know that, oh, the artist was, uh, was deeply depressed and he had just lost his uh, second child bride or whatever it might've been. <laughs> Who cares? Just look at the painting and let it speak to you. That's your authority. So if people knew that, I think you might see more people less afraid of being embarrassed when I say, "Like, what do you think is going on here?"
0: Yeah, I I, I think when uh, when COVID's over, one of the questions that I want to start asking people to get into bigger conversations, having, uh, you know, my my upbringing was you just you talk about sports in the weather and, and that's it. You don't ruffle any feathers. And now like those same people that never once would have a conversation around religion or politics or anything like that around, around any kind of gathering. Now they're like the most opinionated about, about politics. And I'm like, I didn't even know that you cared. You had, and now you have all of these positions and you can't, And I feel like you can't even talk to anyone, and I just want to ask people, like, what is it about politics and religion that is so difficult for us to talk? It's difficult for me. Some, You know, I bite my tongue in a lot of situations. It creates so much anxiety. But what is it about what seems to me to be, like, the most fundamental issues of what is this existence and what's the best way to navigate it for us what 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 is it about those things that is so controversial for for people whereas like you can get worked up about the packers and vikings or whatever but at the end of the day you're probably not not like wanting to kill a vikings fan or something like that right
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 sort of why spirituality to me is, you know, there's other smaller games, but it is, to use the expression, the only game in town. Meaning, if we can turn our brains, if we can quiet our brains, right, down and and realize that when we put aside all of our identities and all of our belief structures and all of our I'm Pete, and I'm a liberal, and I'm from Boston. And if you put all that stuff, quiet it down, we're all sort of in a more spacious and welcoming place. Unfortunately, so that's that's sort of what spirituality can be about. We talk about the death of the ego, like realizing that all of those thoughts aren't who you are. And you know that to be true because they're always changing. It, it When I was, uh, you know, 18, 19, I was... All my politics were completely different. They were complete the opposite of what I didn't even are.
0: know what it meant to be like a Democrat or Republican when me I neither. was like I just knew that Republicans were old. the
1: were the Christian ones. That's that's what I thought. Like yeah. and and somebody explained it to me as smaller government and that made a lot of sense and and I remember somebody saying that, like, instead of the government helping people, the church get, helps people and people should donate to their church and the church helps people. So they're just saying the government, we want to help people, but the government shouldn't be involved. And That actually, I, I can see that making sense. But to really answer your question, I don't know if it works that way, by the way. If it worked that way, then I think that would make sense. I don't know if it works that way. Um, all of this stuff has been co-opted by the ego right it's become tribalism and and the reason why we don't like discussing things that become tribal is because me attacking your ideas if you believe yourself to be your ideas i'm attacking you if you don't think you are your ideas because you've had some time maybe some psychedelics maybe some meditation or maybe just some stillness to realize that you are the presence witnessing your ideas that's who you are and these things come and go I'm horny. I'm hungry. I'm angry. I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. Those things are clouds in the sky and you're the sky. Yeah. Unfortunately, we've built up these things to be like, no, uh, religion is is the ego's feast. Come and uh, I'm a, I'm a Calvinist. I'm a determinist. I'm a Unitarian. I'm an a, a universalist, whatever it might be. And that's who you are. And so when I go like, I don't think uh, Jesus was the only person to re- achieve um some sort of uh, oneness with what is which we call christ um then somebody you i've I've just threatened their life basically and that's where the the flush feeling comes that's where the defensiveness comes all the all the great spiritual people that i know don't cling very hard to any of their beliefs yeah,
0: that's that's. It seems like I mean scientists are like this. Is well. they they have and and by the way, there's scientists that are religious as well. There's just not as many of them. Um, but uh, but but I I would say people, just as many people get wrapped up in the beauty and complexity and blah blah blah. And it's you know it's. Spirituality is something that's evolved cross culturally all around the world, independent of all of the other ones, over and over and over again. And it has, it, it certainly has, uh, it, it seems like we are um, predisposed to having whatever we're calling spirituality. But they, I love how um, loosely academics hold on to things and it's the same thing that i like about comics 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 are usually like happy to poke holes at things including themselves i love self-deprecating i've always hated like the aggressive like hey this guy's shirt's stupid right. <laughs> but i've 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 always loved the idea of like when we opened and you started doing an impression of me I, I like that's hilarious. I sound like that. Holy yeah. crap. Like every girlfriend that I've ever had is always like, you it like uh, like when when she makes fun of me, I think it's the funniest thing in the world. Every girlfriend's always been like, you just like being made fun of. I'm like, I do. I think it's hilarious. Even when I see like shitty YouTube comments sometimes, I'm like, gosh, they are kind of on (laughs) to something. That's so funny.
1: But I mean, that is the power of comedy and science i think i don't know as much about science as uh, well, you do certainly. well i'll,
0: I'll just the small example i often will ask a scientist i'll i'll like i'll say something that's like you know well known in their field like um some some like behavior uh, like behavioral biology like 101 type thing that i'll like uh, ask like oh it's like this study and a scientist will be like oh ah, actually you know and then and then I'll sometimes I'll read some of their publications I'll I'll recite back to them like oh you wrote this paper about this and it concluded this like this happened 3 years ago and they're like ah, well right. we've kind of walked some of that back since then and here's my problem with my ideas from like my landmark paper that put me on the map and got me the job that I have, right. I still have issues with those ideas.
1: Right. That's very, I think we're talking about openness, spaciousness. These, yeah. are, these are spiritual virtues, prudence, patience, temperance. You know what I mean? Like these are, this, th- those are part of the scientific method. Humility. Mm. Richard Rohr, my favorite, uh, he's a Franciscan, says that all that's required of, uh, all that's asked of you in the spiritual pursuit is patience and humility. It's not believing something and he would even say if it is believing something what is that to say about people with special needs mentally uh people who just can't understand certain things they ju- they're just not wired that way and they're mm. all you know better than me there are all the different types of minds there, there's people that learn experientially there's people who learn from oration most people learn experientially like most people don't learn from some boring ass sermon <laughs> so if it's 20 percent that does what about the 80 percent like People just go out of their way to say what worked for them should work for everybody when that's not true at all. But patience and humility, I think is good science. It's good comedy uh, and it's, and it's good spirituality.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's intellectual humility is I'm, I'm taking a course on um, right now of, of, of finding that, what do you do to find that sweet spot between the ego and having too much confidence in something and and then also not having self-esteem or uh, like low self-esteem on the other end of it not not thinking like not throwing up your hands and being like ah nothing's worth knowing it's too big it's too complex right
1: i think it's all the whole thing is laid out in nature and in our bodies there's inhale and there's exhale capitalism western society we only want an inhale right when really we're surrounded by clues, you inhale and then you exhale. It's like you remember and then you forget or you think you have it and then you lose it. You're alive and then you die. Uh, The ocean is a high tide, then it's a low tide. Everything's always in flux, but the human animal seems to just want like success and and to know and to proceed and to achieve. And that's all great, but any knowing, this is Richard Rohr again, needs to be balanced with unknowing. Mm -hmm. So anything that you think you figured out he also says any talking needs to be balanced with silence. Like, if you're spending all this time flapping your gums, you should balance that out. You should make a point to balance it out with some quiet humility. Mm. Um, but yeah.
0: I, I, I so, so we had similar-ish upbringings. Because you were raised Catholic, right? Is that... No, no, not no, Catholic. I just
1: look Catholic. <laughs> I guess You're I look just,
0: Catholic. I was I was raised Catholic. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I've it's been a little while since I've read your book. That is but, not that um, is not
1: even near uh, an event. <laughs> but
0: um, I I I kind of went the other where where you you got sucked into it, or, or I mean, took to it quite well. I was just the opposite. From like, there was something. I, I want to make sure that I'm not like creating a false memory, but I know there was something attached to this Noah's Ark toy that I got as a kid that was like one of my favorite things. It had this big ark and it had all these different animals, and I was like five, four or five or something like that. And like as I got a little older, I just had questions of like, wait all the animals fit in this and like yeah. and it set me down this this path and I I just wasn't getting the answers to things that I wanted and I felt real trapped and alienated for a long time. I thought like I was crazy. I was the only one that had this belief. And it's kind of funny watching say your HBO show uh which is by the way, I think we had I think we had lunch after I did um, one of a uh, uh, appearance on your wonderful podcast. You made it weird. Uh, we had lunch, and my car got towed. You remember that? That's um, yeah. And I, I think that you, at the time, were you were like Judd Apatow's uh, working on this show with me with HBO. It's called Crashing. It's this thing. And I remember you telling me about it and I was like it sounds great you're hilarious and talented and it sounds like such a tough sell like an HBO one about like every every comic seemingly wants to do some sort of like autobiographical thing and it gets pitched a lot and everything else and I had you you had your late night show in the past that I thought was like one of the most innovative um, late night shows ever. I love it. Sure. for for anyone that wants to uh like your X Men and superhero. Do you still bust out Batman from time to time?
1: That I mean, it's funny. It's, it's hey, you have to close off your nose. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> And which is what Bale's mask was clearly doing. To his. It's a very uncomfortable mask. Um, uh, but yeah, people like those.
0: But uh, so so the point was, it's just like, you know, it's this impossible. Everything in our business is a lottery ticket, even when you're the super talented person, even when you have success and have the it could still be. And I, I would have never predicted that it would have ended up being, uh, like, the best representation of comedy that I've ever seen. It was oh, three thanks. incredible seasons. I recommend every single per- person watch it. Thanks. And uh, it's so fantastic. But this is kind of like the opposite, where we're now, now you're the Christian in in the atheist community, kind of the, you you know, being, being the soul, like, Hey, everybody, let me tell you about, about the Lord.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I, I'd actually love to talk about show business for a second because both of my breaks, um, are sort of anomalies. One, I remember somebody telling me like, when I got my talk show, they were like, how did you do that? That's impossible. It's impossible. (laughs) just in the same way that getting a autobiographical drama comedy about starting as a stand-up, both of those things are, um, you know, if you look at them at the end result, you go, well, it's impossible to get here. Yeah. And not to um, go on and on, but from what I can tell, both of those breaks came from uh, just doing good stuff and doing it a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Meaning...
1: If I went back in time to when I was 22 or whatever, uh, just barely into comedy, and was like, okay, when you're 31, you should have a talk show on Conan. And when you're 34 or 5, you should have a show on HBO about your life. I wouldn't even know. That would have paralyzed me. Yeah. It would have killed me. Um, and I would have always been like, well, that's not going to happen. So I know I'm just heading for defeat and it, it would be a horrible, it's almost like a Greek play. If somebody, if an Oracle was like, this is going to happen or, or like, you need to make this happen or really to keep it in line, I'd have to go back in time and be like, you need to do this. There's a way to do it. You need to do it. <laughs> yeah. But like, I know this isn't a showbiz podcast, but like both oh, of we those can talk things, about whatever came about because just like you see in like movies about show business, the right people saw me. So I did Conan, that was my goal. I actually had one goal, which was to do Conan by the time I was 30. I did it when I was 31. I did it once and then I did it again. So here comes in good timing, is around the time that I did it the second time they were thinking of making a companion show to Conan. So that's really good timing. I can't have any claim to that. Um, But the reason Conan wanted to do it with me was specifically because um, he said I wasn't cynical. Uh, I know it sounds like I'm complimenting myself, but if you watch those two Conan sets, one of them, the premise is um, I love magic, which you just don't see, Uh, again, I didn't think like, wow, I'm being so special. I just love magic. So I thought I'd do a joke in defense of magic. Yeah, when great comedians, including Jerry Seinfeld, one of my heroes, have all these bits about how magic is stupid and they're lying to you and fuck you. I was (laughs) like, my joke was, I know they're lying, but like, it's fun. Like lighten up, it's fun, enjoy it. Like everything's (laughs) fake, enjoy it. And then the other one was um, technology is making our lives worse. But that sounds like a negative premise, but really I was just saying like human beings and connection and chatting with somebody at a bakery, that's life, like not Googling where Tom Petty is from and feeling nothing. So because I did what I was doing, the talk show came about. Um, I, I hope it's clear why I'm sharing that story is because that is impossible. Similarly, I did the talk show. Then Judd watched the talk show and Judd liked the talk show. And then when uh, I had an idea because he had watched the talk show, he was willing to hear my meeting. Here's the good timing though. He was just getting back into standup. And if there's a, if there's a angle that was unique about my, uh, about crashing is what, it was an origin story. I was always like every show about stand-up, they're already standups and like, you know, Seinfeld on Seinfeld would come home from a gig and he didn't really work. And it seemed, it was a great job for a, all sitcom characters appear to not work unless the show is at their work. They seem yeah. to not work. So it's perfect. But so Judd was a guy getting into the big, scary New York comedy scene while I pitched him a show about a guy going into the big, scary New York comedy scene. I so see. the timing is incredible, but, and and I don't really intend for this to be useful advice, but the advice is do what you're doing and then when you want to do something, try to pitch it to the best people that can do it, as opposed to just like, I don't know, it, it just made sense. Go right to Conan. Like they, they came to me, which was great. And then that set this precedent. It was like, okay, I have a show that feels like girls. I'm going to go to Judd because of the show he took the meeting. And then, mm-hmm. you know, from there, the timing and, and the idea uh, helped. Because the other thing that helped with the pitch, sorry, I just haven't talked about this in a while.
0: No, it's awesome.
1: Is that it had an engine. We ended up sort of abandoning the engine. But when you're trying to sell a show, it's useful to have an engine. So when you tell them the idea, they can see 50 episodes. And the engine was, my character's divorced, his wife leaves him. Uh, We had the benefit that that was true in my case, so I wasn't just making it up. And he, he goes into the city and he has nowhere to stay. He's trying to be a comedian, and every episode he's crashing with another comedian. Um, so that <laughs> even though that fell away because we had so much fun with Artie, I just
0: had too good playing <laughs> in my in my head. Too good. Too good. Yeah. Too good. Over yeah, too good. And
1: over. <laughs> oh my god, that was so fun. Uh, but, anyway. Sorry. Yeah. I just wanted to address your completely correct idea that it's insane to try to make an autobiographical comedy. And everybody that's listening, I'm sure whatever field they're in, there's an insane endeavor. Like you just can't do that. And what people always told me, Bill Burr told me, was keep your head down, don't be a dick. The third one that I would add to that is like, do what you do, like do your thing. If you love magic, talk about loving magic. If you hate magic, talk about hating magic in the funniest way possible. And Jim Gavigan said, just keep doing that until you're undeniable. Just keep doing it, keep doing it. Conan said something similar to me. He was like, he thinks about show business as this wall of sound. Everybody's picking up a tuba and they blow in the tuba for three notes. Then they pick up bagpipes and they try that. And he's like, I just stood in the same spot for 15 years, dinging on a triangle. Yeah, like knowing if I did that long enough, all the showbiz gatekeepers would be like, "What's that triangle? I've been hearing that for fifteen years," <laughs> and that's yeah. and that's what led to those things, I think.
0: Amazing, um, but what I I'm also just curious, just as a as a Christian, what I mean, I I remember, I remember stopping through to visit my parents a couple years ago. And showing them Game of Thrones and then being like, oh, God, now I got to sit through this insanely long cunnilingus show like, <laughs> with my, like, sweet religious mother. But that's, like, what HBO is known for is, like exceptionally like whoa how long can we have two characters go down on each other before this super violent this and that And, and, and like what an odd fit that also like worked out really really i mean three seasons is that's crazy like my favorite show the leftovers got three seasons on hbo uh that that's that's insane. What, what was there any, was there any, uh, has there been pushback just through your career of being like, uh, uh, of just an automatic association of, of like church boys don't believe, uh, don't belong in comedy or, or, you know, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. It's interesting, man. I don't really take issue per se with being called a Christian, but like, I always. This is Reza Reza Aslan, who is a great um, spiritual teacher. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't mean he's a guru. I mean he teaches on religion. He taught at Harvard and stuff. He he's written some great books. He said something that I love, where he was like, "You need to remember, Jesus didn't come to create Christianity. He came to reform Judaism. Like mm-hmm. he basically was just being iconoclastic and doing all these things as a Jew that he shouldn't have done." He picked grain on the Sabbath. He, you know, he was always sort of finding parts of the law that he liked, discarding other parts. Like, this is Jesus. Like, it doesn't get talked about very much. But that's part of the problem is they were like, this guy speaks with authority. And and part of that authority was like, I know it says don't talk to an unmarried woman, but I love this person as a child of God and I'm going to talk to her. Even though that was like forbidden. He shouldn't have been doing that. Yeah. And the, and the Sabbath grain thing. And and Buddha didn't come to create Buddhism. He came to reform Hinduism. Reform again, meaning like that's what was going on. And he sort of used it and found his own way. And then uh, Muhammad didn't come to create Islam. He came to, I always forget this one. He came to reform uh, the religion of the time. It, it's not one that we know. It, it's something very specific. To that end, I I like to joke that I'm a Lord lover. I love the Lord. I love Jesus. But I also love Buddha. Mm-hmm. I also there's a Hanuman on my desk. That's a, a, a that's basically the Hindu Jesus, as I think of him. Ram Das is my great teacher. He was a Hindu, Jew, Christ-loving uh, LSD enthusiast. Um, you I love a Alan. good
0: DMT story.
1: I love a good DMT story. <laughs> I love uh, taking psychedelics. I love Alan Watts, who's a Zen Buddhist. I love Stephen Mitchell, who's a Zen Buddhist. I love Byron Katie, who has no uh affiliation but is very buddhist in her teaching so the like going back to what we were saying about spaciousness right mm-hmm. and openness and tribalism the reason I, I don't say i'm a christian um is because that's that's an identity as i go i'm a christian i am now ascribing to a group that jesus himself never intended to make yeah he kept going around going like the kingdoms in you the kingdom is in you you know, like it's here, it's here, it's here, it's here. Drop it all and, and notice that you're. I love when Jesus, as a faithless generation, asks for a sign, and some of my favorite musicians, they're called Gunger, have this song called Wonder, and they go and they they talk about the ocean being sloped and eaved and hung from within, and they and they realize it sounds like they're talking about an NASA trip, and they might very well be, but they're saying they realize the miracle's already here, meaning. This is the sign, right? Mm-hmm. Like, don't don't join a group and go like, one day we'll get a sign. This is the sign. Like, the, the miracle is already here. And that's what Jesus goes around saying. And then we somehow took that and we turned it into the, the, the main religion of power-seeking consumerism, which I'm not saying I, I don't seek power and I'm not a consumer. I am, unfortunately. That's just something I'm working through, right? But oh, like, we're
0: all bottomless pits of want at the end of the day.
1: I mean, another great lyric. I've just got into this group called Bird Talker, and there's a line that she sings. She says, um, I'm tired of wanting. Uh, I'm tired of taking. The more I take, the more I need. And I was like, well, that's the whole thing right there. Yeah. is Is realizing, even as I'm talking to you, Shane, you can catch your brain going like, well, after this, so I'll order lunch. You know what I mean? You're always just kind of like resisting melting into it, which sort of brings us to psychedelics. I take very, very, if I do, which is not very often at all, it might be once or twice a year, I'll take very, very low doses. I'm talking like 25 micrograms, a full LSD trip might be a hundred or more. Mm -hmm. So I'm taking like less than half of a dose Mm -hmm. And if I only had three seconds to explain to you why I do that, I would say anything that gets me outside. (laughs)
0: That's that's what
1: I would say. Val and I took a trip to Laguna and I was going to take a a microdose like that. Very, very small. Um, It's actually what a lot of people do to combat um, depression and all these different things. I don't do it for those reasons. I do it because we're sitting on the beach and earth Pete, as I call him, Earth Pete is like, it's cold, and the sand is getting in my shoes, and there's seaweed washing up. And then I take the very, very small dose, and an hour and a half later, I'm in the water. And yeah. that's that's why it's it's not really to like feel groovy, although you do feel groovy. It gets me in the womb of the ocean, going like oh my God, the whole thing is waves. Light is a wave. I know it's a particle too. Uh, and sound is a wave. The ocean is a wave. My breath is sort of wave-like in, out, in. It sounds like the tide. We're drowning in clues, asking for a clue, when all you have to do, you'd like this as a good anthropologist, the, the resurrection stories came about around the time when farming came about, when we started mm. seeing seeds die, they go in the ground and they sprout up. I'm not yeah, just saying just the Christ story. I'm saying people were getting, finally getting the message. Like, wait, sometimes dude, I think we're gonna die or to keep it in our speed, we're gonna, we're gonna die in this body and then we're gonna wake up and we're, we're exhaling some alien DMT. I know this isn't like a new idea.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But it's this drug, it's this trip that you took. And when I gave it to you in that celestial, timeless, infinite space, you said, what does it do? And I said, well, you know how we're like in paradise where it's non-dual and everything's just sort of is and we're fine. This will give you suffering, it'll give you fear, it'll give you turmoil, it'll give you loss, but it'll give you joy, it'll give you success. You'll know what it's like to yearn and to strive and to lose and to achieve and to, have your heart broken and then meet somebody new and all this stuff. And then I'm like, how long does it last? Oh, it lasts forever. Like, it's <laughs> so long. You'll think it's so long. But then when it's over, and we're exhaling that heavenly uh cocktail, we'll be like, I can't believe I didn't recognize that it was j- everything I was stepping in, touching, tasting, or talking to was another thing, going like, you it's it's just make believe. It's just a dream. It's just play. It's just a dance. Uh, but we get so lost in pants and sports and nachos. We do that, get
0: lost uh, in pants.
1: We get lost in pants. <laughs> and I do too. But that's part of it too. That I mean, that's what we wanted. We wanted to be lost. It's yeah. fun to be lost. Be lost.
0: <laughs> um, I... Uh, man i don't want to take now i don't want to take a cynical term, but i uh, like i think that so so there's there is such a difference between your spirituality and what would be just your um, average run-of-the-mill um, like kind of religious belief system which i i think is is much more about like the details of of, like, we attend church every Sunday. We put our kids through the Sunday school. We do the, and, and I think that, I think that if a lot of, you know, I think that if a lot of my, I think if I tried to say to my like religious family that, like, well, here's what I think about spirituality. And then I just said verbatim everything that you just said. They'd be like, "Oh no, no, that's insane!" And you're going to hell for, for thinking that this is are You aren't taking like this isn't a metaphor. This is exactly like the way things are, and it's not. It, it, so,
1: it, you, you know, like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Sure, is, but it, we're 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 back to like, it's not wrong. I just think it's sort of, um, I don't even want to say it's low-level religion. I'd just say it's entry-level. Again, that sounds like a judgment. Meaning, I don't think it's a flaw in the system that, and Richard Rohr would say, you sort of need that. You need that identity. Reza Aslan, again, would say the the primary function of religion isn't that different from your Green Bay Packers is identity. Mm -hmm. Who are you? What are you about? What are we about? Well, we're good people, we go to church. We're good people, we go to Sunday school. That's all lovely. I'm saying that Jesus's story is, is go and do likewise, meaning think you're something, die, and then be reborn into something else. And that in, in, involves, in my case, a divorce and losing my religion, losing my faith, and then being reborn. But we, we kind of jump to the end. Like we just say, and I'll just speak for me. I just went around saying I was saved, meaning I had been converted, meaning I was new wine and new wineskins. You know what I mean? Like it had happened. <laughs> but really, in my experience, the way it happens, Richard Rohr, his book Falling Upward, is we fall upward. My my belief was that it's literal. God said it. I believe it. That does it. And even though it's hard to find passages like this in the Bible God's looking out for me because I'm on his side, right? He, I mean, the book of Job, anybody? Jesus himself? I mean, he was murdered. But we, we we, still have a cultural understanding of Christianity, which really has very little basis in in even the Bible, where we're just sort of like, I'm on God's team. God likes me. God looks out for me. Let's throw some angels in here. They're protecting me, all that sort of stuff. When really, it's being betrayed it's it's having your wife leave. It's losing your faith. These are all the things that actually enhanced and enriched my faith. It's, it's, it's letting go of literalism. You think literalism is like keeping you safe. And then when you actually let go of it, you can keep it in the mix. But if you open up to Semitic storytelling, to metaphor and saying that there are some things that are so true, they're more than literally true. Meaning the only way to talk about them is by talking about them with metaphor. It's actually giving credence and power and and respect to eternal truth in saying, this is so big, we can't talk about it directly. We can't just say, that's what it is, and I put it in my pocket, and I don't think about it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I refresh on Sunday. Like, you can't have it. Fuck off. I'm sorry. You can't have it. It feels nice to think you have it, but get humble and get patient. You got shit. You got nothing. And that that's a paradox. Jesus is saying it all the time. Die to find life. Lose it to find life. Lose your faith to find faith. Lose your trust to find trust. Yeah. If, the, if the grain of wheat doesn't crack and die, it doesn't sprout a flower. He keeps saying this, yet most of the people in his time, you know, the religious people, were going around being like, I follow the law. I go to temple, I make the sacrifices, I do what I'm supposed to do. And he's going, it's not that. How could it be that? Read Sapiens, I know you have, yeah. what, of th- what of those people? That's yeah. us, yeah, that's yeah. us. What we're talking about is like such a small, insignificant amount of time S- speaking you know, historically. What about them? That's not some other group. That wasn't the precursor leading up to Jesus. Richard Roy is like 99.999998% of history happened before Jesus. That was just God clearing his throat. And now we're in the real. Now this is it. Nobody else knew. The ancient Greeks had nothing. The groups before then, the the, um, Samaritans, uh, not the Samaritans, what do I mean? You know, the Um, old groups.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Oh, now I'm I'm stuck. It's too. not Samaritan. It's something that
1: sounds like Samaritan. What
0: What, what was that? Uh, oh, the the uh, the like the Code of Hammurabi and stuff. Is that the Is that what you're referring to?
1: I'm just saying. Yeah. The spiritual arrogance to think that it's like it didn't exist until this existed
0: i I think that when i feel i mean i i feel such a deep connection to just humanity as a whole i i feel like i to me I have an easier time bonding with humanity as a whole with like Wow, we're all these primates dressed up in like these silly costumes and all making these weird kind of a lot of times making these same like systematic cognitive bias errors that we all kind of make and then get mad at one another for making the doing the exact same thing that yeah. we do and and to and to think that uh and 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 we can't see it as well in ourselves as it happens in others and other people are doing that to us and to think that the, the almost the exact same strand of DNA as you said was back at the you know sapiens two Yuval says like 150 most academics same 250 300,000 uh, years ago and and like basically hunter gatherer there there's people that used to persistence hunting was you would because we can sweat to cool off we would run down in the heat of the day an antelope that's a faster sprinter or or like whatever big thing it's a faster sprinter than us but if we just keep at it <laughs> they need to cool themselves by by um by stopping and breathing uh, through their mouth otherwise they just fall over so doing a marathon through the desert and now just sitting here talking virtually, now a problem is we don't move enough to to being like a janitor, to being a farmer, to being a doctor, to being an astronaut, to living all in every region of Earth. And it's this same like strand yeah. of DNA that's been able to do all of that and 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 that's just talking about our little strand of DNA. Not to mention all of the other species around, and then this weird complex system that arises. And that's now we're not even into the universe yet. This is just Earth. Like I, I feel a deep connection with all of that. And it's funny that I just tend to nitpick when when individuals are like, "Ah, I don't agree with that <laughs> that idea,"
1: but. Um, yeah, you, they don't agree with your idea of feeling connected to everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, dude, It's I, I want to say a couple things about yeah. your question, which is the question, I suppose, of like, what do you say then to your religious family? I don't really say much. You know, you sort of can respect their trip. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm on my trip. They're on their trip. And I do think it's it all works out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like... I exist in relation to them. They exist in relation to me. It's all holy and fine. Mm -hmm. But um, so I'm not like in the game of trying to persuade or convince. I Mm -hmm. will say the things that persuaded and convinced me was great suffering, which was my wife leaving me, and then great love, which was taking mushrooms.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And that is straight Richard Rohr. By the way, if anybody's listening and they're like, look, I do have religious family that I would like to connect with. Richard Rohr is a great way because he's just right on about everything and he talks about it in a Jesus y way. So that's something I bond with my mom over.
0: Like I I'm not interested in being right. I'm interested in having big discussions. Like I just want to talk about life the way that we're talking about it right now. You know, I'm not right. I'm not looking to like convert anyone or tell them that like, see. This these details of your belief were wrong. I'm just like, what do you th- I just want to same same as we're having right, right now. What but, do you think this is all about? That's but all see
1: what so what you want, and yeah. it's a beautiful thing to want, and it's what I want too, is you want spaciousness mm-hmm. and freedom for for your parents or for whoever it is you're talking about. Yeah. Spaciousness. This this is a great idea. And the way that I came to spaciousness or the amount of spaciousness that I'm afforded, and that varies at times, was great love and great suffering. That's, that's Richie Rohr. So the great suffering made me go, oh, I thought God was like the mafia, and as long as I paid the mafia, they would guard my bakery. The suffering was they burned down my bakery anyway. And then I'm like, well, what is God? I thought God was my bodyguard. I thought he was watching out for me and was gonna keep me in, in, the, in, the, in the black. Um I never know if it's the red or the black, but the good one. <laughs> so that suffering was is it the, up
0: are, is it all uphill or downhill from here? I always. Are we I getting know. the red or the black uphill or downhill Well, anyway. I We want it's, it's all
1: Yeah, you're right. Is it downhill I could be mad. But um that suffering cracked my wheat, right? Yeah. And then something larger than me, we could call it grace, started happening against my will. And human beings, again, this is Richard Rohr, do not change if what they're doing is working. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? This is where suffering comes in. But that only took me half the way. So I go, wait, I thought this was the game I was playing. It's clearly not because my Christian wife just had an affair on her Christian husband. What the fuck is happening? That was only part one of the equation. Part two was having an experience like Paul saint paul falling off his donkey although it's it's fun to point out it's never said that he was on a donkey um (laughs) falling off his donkey on the road to i think it's damascus right you need to get never said that he was on a donkey yeah yeah but these these types of things don't work because i used to be one of those people if you want to be like the contradictions in the bible or whatever that that doesn't yeah work. i
0: mean i'm not even uh, we, uh, like you know
1: I, I, great we love could, and we great could. suffering works yeah great, and the great love was even better right the great love one of the things that those mushrooms did to me was it helped me i always tell people it's not what you see on mushrooms it's that you see with what you're seeing you see that something is seeing that's yeah. the epiphany So you're talking about, oh, look at the strand of DNA. Some of them go to the moon. Some of them uh, are doctors. Some of them were cave people, whatever it might have been. So clearly, the answer, as I see it, is not in being an American Christian in Wisconsin in 2020 going to this church and believing these things. Because then the love of God is only available to 0.0000001 percent and even we debate on what percentage of that percentage is doing it correctly. It's so much more available. And this is what I think Buddha is saying. This is what I think Jesus is saying. He's saying, this is Meister Eckhart. No, I'm sorry, it's St. It's Francis. What you're looking for is what you're looking with. That's the whole thing. Everything else is just a story or a symbol structure, metaphor, myth, historical fact. It doesn't matter, but you're trying to make sense the knife is trying to cut itself. Mm-hmm. The the light is trying to shine on itself. Uh, yeah. How can you know the thing with which you know? That is the question. And it, when it comes to wanting our parents or our loved ones to get to a point of spaciousness, um, I, I take the approach when they are. I'll I'll be there ready to have that talk with them, but I don't think our conversation is going to necessarily nudge them. There.
0: Yeah, no, that that's a, okay. So the reason why I reached out to you, and and this is this is all somehow led exactly to the reason why I I've, I wanted to uh, uh, get you on. And I mean, I think we we covered much of it, but I had I've been kind of like waiting for the perfect moment to reach out to you and stuff, and then and then I just decided. So I had these people on that wrote this book, uh, "The Courage to Suffer," just last week, and I texted you like shortly afterwards. Um, a clinical framework for life's greatest crises, and their and their whole thing was that they went through an ordeal of it's a psychologist. Um, a, you know, psychology professor that studies like meaning making and stuff. And then, a, and then a therapist, and then they went through their own thing. Uh, his brother died. And there was like, genetic problems and infertility issues and they and and like questioning their religion and all of these things you basically just
1: described the old testament by the way that's so (laughs) that's so genesis their brother died and their wife was infertile and they were losing their faith i was like "Uh uh-huh go on yeah
0: and it's 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 uh it's great because they well So, so much of it. And then they had all of the clinical training of like, well, here's what this is. And here's like the stages of grief. And here's, and here's like basically a lot of like, you're feeling pain. Here's this way in which you feeling pain is like, should go away or whatever. And their, their thing that they rewrote was, how do you accept the suffering and then thrive within the suffering that there is and appreciate the suffering for, you know, being the richness of life and, and everything else. And it was just, you know, it's something that there, there's this perfect storm of, of, um, we're in a global pandemic. This will, um, globally be, you know, the, probably the greatest crisis of our, of our lifetime. And, uh, you know it's exceptionally novel um and and we have and it's the holidays and it's this heartbreaking situation of this is the time that people look forward to more than any other time of the year and it's also the single most dangerous statistical uh, statistically the, ta- the the rates are booming after and now thanksgiving is like we're just going to be starting to find out how much COVID has spread around in the next week or so. And and the hospitals are being overrun and people are having to make choices. And I'm not even I'm not having you on to say like, hey Pete, will you tell people to stay home? I'm not I'm not even saying that. I'm saying people are are having to there's so many people that have never even really had to confront any of these things. They've done the they've done their 9 to 5 they've they've been you know they've gone to their their church uh every sunday they've they've been great citizens they've done like exactly what they're supposed to do and there's this colossal change in their world and a lot of people you and i like you know i get to pat myself on the back for being a pretty abstract thinker but i can barely tie my shoelaces and a lot of a lot of these people like the extended family that's hyper religious are fantastic at just getting stuff done and showing up every single day and oh doing gosh. their bills and doing all of these other things and building these habits and now everything's in disarray and there's the amount of denial happening about everything and everyone trying to manage in different ways and I, I just wonder what your thoughts are on this and if you have any guidance for uh for you know someone that has gone through uh, suffering and questioning and having to reconstruct new narratives we're having to do that like sorry this would usually be a lifetime journey that we would all be on but like really quickly we need to like like this is a spiritual emergency that we're having for a lot of people
1: well, so I, I'm looking at my picture of Ramdas, and I remember he wrote a letter um, to a family that was grieving a really, really unimaginable loss, and he said, I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically what I consider to be the heart of mysticism, uh, one of the hearts at least, and it's like if you go through something that you thought I could never have gone, I, I can't I couldn't live through that. I couldn't do that. And if you get on the other side of it and you're still there, then you must not be what you thought you were. Right. And I don't just mean the quality of your character or your grit. I mean, when things happen to us, a divorce, very small example Mm -hmm. and you're on the other side of it, you must not be what you, what you thought you were like, that would make everything fall apart. So everything falls apart. Who's there to notice that it, it's falling apart. It's like contemplating nothingness. How can nothing exist? Something would have to be there to notice that it's nothing, right? So it's it's not nothing if if you're there and noticing that it's nothing. Um,
0: so when uh, when they asked Einstein um, why he dressed like in the stripes and and plaid and stuff that he that he wore, he kind of dressed in a peculiar way. And, and they're like, how do you pull it off or whatever? What, what are you doing with that? He goes, when you When you realize that the universe is expanding into nothing that is somehow something, wearing stripes and plaid is easy.
1: That's it, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, Einstein is, is actually quoted a lot in the spiritual books that I read. Obviously, he said imagination is more important than knowledge um, because imagination encircles the universe is basically what he said. He Mm -hmm. also said, I didn't arrive at my conclusions um, using my rational mind, Mm -hmm. meaning this was a guy who understood that you need to be spacious. You need to be free to have some wild theories and you need to be humble and you need to be patient and you need to be brave to delve into those not very neat packages to try and find the, the theories that he came up with. Um, obviously, I'm not an expert in that. But I, I remember when the pandemic started, um, Eckhart Tolle, who's another great teacher of mine, he actually quoted uh, Jesus in the Bible and he, 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 Jesus tells the story about, I'm sure you've heard it, the house, uh, two guys build a house on the rock, one guy builds it on the sand, one guy builds it on the rock. And Jesus is like you want to have the foundation of the rock. So if you have a strong foundation When the winds come and the turmoil comes your house doesn't fall down. That's the house on the sand. There's no foundation Eckhart's interpretation of that which I share is that the rock foundation is knowing that who you are uh, Predates anything that's happening to you Mm -hmm. that the miracle of isness that you are, that you're a part of, is the whole game, is the whole thing, right? And when you have your foundation rooted firmly in the unborn infinite awareness that you've talked to on DMT, quite cheekily, I might add. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When you're anchored to that, your house can withstand the blowing winds and you don't fall over. So Uh this is a crisis because... Okay, let's take the first one. He said, like, I'm a Christian, but I can't go to church. I'm a Christian, but I can't, you know, go to Sunday school. Then, but I am a Christian. Well, then what does that mean? Now we're, we're forced to go inward. I'm a comedian, but I can't go out and tell jokes. Well, then what does that mean? Yeah. Like, who are you? Every day we are being assassinated, which by the way, is important spiritual work. Yeah. I don't have people reflecting to me my fame, my specialness. It's gone. I'm just a dude washing the dishes. And you know what? That dude smells the soap, he feels the weight of the sponge. He he's present with every bowl. That's that's the kingdom. Is, the king. is,
0: is, Val, is Val ever like, will you stop smelling the soap and feeling the... Bo- like, we have to get up. Like, we have errands to run. Do, do, you, do you have to smell every bowl after you've cleaned it? I get it. You're
1: appreciating the dish. Okay, okay. What I'm saying is, <laughs> let me put it this way. Every night, my daughter is a little over two. Yeah. And I, we still we rock her to sleep at night. She's still a baby, especially to me. I'm enormous. And when I rock <laughs> her to sleep at night, I'm in the dark room. And there's some, like, you know, stickers, like glow-in-the-dark stickers of the stars and stuff. But it's, it's a pitch-black room. And I'm just rocking her. And often she's being really wily and rascally. And she, I think she's falling asleep. And then out of nowhere, she'll just go, Pouch. Like she wants me to get her a pouch. So I'm like, oh fuck, I have like another hour. I thought I was almost done, but this is, she's not asleep. And then you ask yourself, what uh, what do you want? Like, what do you want? Like the more I take, the more I need. What do I want? Well, I want the baby to go to sleep so I can go out and sit on the couch and watch the West Wing while I eat dinner. And then when you go like, But that's what you did last night. And that's what you did the night before and the night before. So it's clearly not the answer. Like that desire to sit on the couch eating and watching Netflix, that's not going anywhere. That's just this endless, bottomless, hungry ghost trap. Nothing wrong with it. But if I'm living in a projected future where I'll be happy when I'm on the couch watching Netflix, eating food, I miss out. On the smell of my baby, which you can't even imagine. I'm not just all about smells, by the way, but you can not imagine a baby smells good to everybody when it's, when it's your, your yeah. DNA, you're just like, holy fuck. This they, is like,
0: they actually do studies where they have like a bunch of dirty diapers and have mothers smell the dirty diapers and they can identify which one is their baby. Like very, very
1: easily. I don't doubt it. <laughs> I I have the same thing when I'm playing. My point is, yeah, Sorry. No, no, I, I'm all over the place today, but like it's, it's here yeah. and Shane, it's here while we're talking. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like that great love that I felt on mushrooms. Oh, great. You were on a chemical, like big fucking deal. The achievement if we want to use that word is that I feel that right now. Yeah. And because I've experienced this great love and it not just with drugs, through uh, relational love, through silence, a walk in the woods, great music, sex—there are different things that can drop you into the now, and your ego actually shuts the fuck up, so you can hear the low hum of reality. You can hear your participation in the yearning of the universe, which you're not—you're not, you're not a, a cartoon cell. That's not the background, and you're the the hero. It's you. You're yeah. you're it. You're in it. And when you can feel that, you realize that holding the baby, squirmy as she might be, is the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. It's it's there. It's not when I get on the couch. Because I've done on the couch. It's not that. It's not going to the moon. And it's yeah. not even, it's it's nothing. It's, it's just always this.
0: I love that. It, it, the, the, here's an example that has nothing to do with religion or comedy or anything else if there's uh but is exactly it's still saying the same thing i think and it's and it's kind of about i've i've been trying to focus on like pandemic maximization what are what are things that you can learn like oh i never tried ordering groceries from the grocery store before it turns out when i do that i forget less i save money and i don't get things that i don't need and i don't get tricked into buying like all of the things that are bad for me because in right. the way that the that the grocery is laid out and i'm and i minimized um risk in the process but but there was when um, when people were like, we need sports or people are going to go crazy. And then we we're like, okay, well, I guess then we need sports or people are going to go crazy. And then we had like baseball or something for the first time. And, um, and people were like, this is before. So they've since put in the, I don't know if you watch, um, I'm not a sports person, but I've seen a little bit since the pandemic. They've had to put in like um, ambient audience noise from like <laughs> past seasons, because the first time that they had baseball games and there wasn't an audience, people were like, it's not the same. I can't watch it. And I'm like, first off it's baseball. This isn't the first time no one's been in the stands. <laughs> like, like, and you watched then like what, it, but, but, but that, that to me is an opportunity to be like, well then what actually was it about baseball or watching that sport that you liked so maybe it was the social aspect of like hanging out with your family members or your parents or what maybe there was more variables at work than your home team winning or losing that you're attaching to and this might be an opportunity to figure out what were those variables and if it was actually social connection that was feeding you, then there's ways in which you can still connect socially with people. And you can, and you can do that more than maybe you were even before
1: going to a baseball game is sitting with everybody's the ghost of your dad. Even if your dad's alive, like you're (laughs) the ghost, like field of dreams, he shows up. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, you can do that in the dark, rocking your baby too. I, I think that's beautiful though, because I used to have a bit about like, why do you watch, a movie when it comes on hbo even if you own the movie yeah and somebody said to me they were like i think it's because you know millions of other people are watching the movie at the same time yeah sometimes when i release a repeat of, of my podcast if i have a week that i couldn't record it's only happened once or twice but i'll be like i know this is a repeat but we're all listening to it this week like there's something about the collective and the knowing that we're all re-listening to the Gary Shandling episode or whatever this week, like that Mm -hmm. feels special to us. So I completely understand. Mm -hmm. Um, But even that, all of this is saying like, if you don't get to park in your executive spot and you don't get to have the coffee person knowing your order and giving you that sort of acknowledgement and you don't have the corner office and you don't have people calling you boss and complimenting your new tie, all that's gone. And all of that was just window dressing anyway. What's left? What's left? You can't go to dinner. What's left? And it's painful. And I, Val and I say all the time, it's like, if somebody loses a loved one, they don't want to hear that the world is a dance and that suffering is as soon as you have forward, you have backward, and we live in reality. They don't want to hear that. So you got to shut the fuck up and and just be a fucking human being yeah. fully totally into that. But if you're a weirdo like me, when I'm in the throes of suffering, I, I take great comfort in knowing that it's all one and that it's all, like Einstein said, like it's an expanding nothingness that's something. Like it's okay. That's why the best thing in my book, I'm not ashamed to spoil it uh, if people don't want to get it, is the mantra that I use most often, and its it happens to be my best COVID advice. Um, I haven't, thankfully, I haven't had to use it in extreme situations, but in my day-to-day, pre-COVID, during COVID, I practice saying, yes, thank you, to everything. I, I say, yes, thank you, and I say, just this. So they're both in English. It's not too woo-woo, it's not Sanskrit. But if you're, you know, bored, <laughs> And you close your eyes and just inhale and exhale and say, just this, just this, just this. You can actually kind of lull the part of your brain that's looking for a solution, that's looking for a crowd at the baseball game, that's looking for novelty, that's looking for all that. You say, no, just this, just this, just this, just this, just this. And what is this? What is this? I don't want to say this is a gift, but it is a challenge. And on the other side of the challenge is potentially more understanding of the phenomena of the mundane. It doesn't, we don't need to be juggling. I mean, look at the great experiment we're doing. Any food you want, any movie you want, any music you want, porn where people are doing, looking like what you want, doing whatever they want. That's only gonna get more extreme with VR (laughs) and all that stuff. We're doing it, we're doing what they did in What? What? What would you be looking for if you were just in a chair that took you everywhere you wanted to go, eating exactly what you wanted to eat, looking at exactly what you wanted to look at, um, what would you be missing? What would you still be quietly yearning for? That's the big question of life. Yeah. It can go all these different ways circumstantially, your life situation as Eckhart Tolle calls it, but what is watching that? What When you think a thought, and this is one of the things we talk about, and I'm like, why do you have to be stoned for this to be interesting? When you think a thought, who is w- witnessing that thought? Mm-hmm. When you say, I was hungrier than I thought I was, who's talking to who? Who's hearing it? I try to do that in my stand up. I'm like, is the voice loud? Can you make it louder? Can you make it quieter? And w- it, my stand up, but I'm like, is it actually quieter or is it the same level and it's just making a whisper sound? Is it your voice? Is it, or is it like, is it how you sound on tape or is it how you sound muffled by your own skull? Like, what is it? Can it sing? (laughs) You know what I mean? How many pieces in a band can you do in your head? Start with the drums, add the bass. Okay. Can you add the singer? Did you lose the drums? Do these things like take a notice and then you really get the experience of going, I'm over here, I'm over here. And you're over here for all of it. You'll be over here when your body is passing. You'll be over here on the greatest day of your life. And that, that is what draws me to it. Not being right, none of that shit comes with you anyway. All of that burns up. Like in my personal belief, when I die, that stuff does die. But the isness that was never born that cannot die, that goes on. But it's not Pete up in heaven on a cloud, still kind of having Pete's personality, you know, favoring this infinite buffet over that infinite buffet. That's all nonsense and it's gotta go. And we're sort of practicing that now. That's going now. And yet I'm still here.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I my my favorite thing was as we start wrapping up here. My my favorite uh, kind of little thought experiment in terms of ideas is not just noticing the idea. My favorite thing, it kind of uh, when we were talking about earlier with like, which memories do you pick and put in your autobiographical memory? And, and like, I'm talking right now, you have some things to say when you're talking. I have like a selection of things I could pick from to say and I say one of them and then as far as you know, you hear the thing that I said and that was all that was on my mind because you don't have access to all of the other things that I was thinking. I think that there's a similar relationship between the subconscious and the conscious. So every time I have an idea, I go, what else could have that voice been right there? And why, why was that the idea that sprung into my head? Why, why was that the voice? And, uh, anyway, that's
1: that's powerful stuff. Shane, my, Uh, I don't think Val would mind me saying she was, she, she actually had this bout of depression, um, that I think was a chemical depletion in her body. Like she had never had it before and it was really, really dark and she lives a lot of the time, not a lot of the time. She was going through a phase recently where she was really worried that it was going to come back right? That, that became the story. This thing that had happened might happen again. Yeah. And I completely understand. I actually said to her, I was like, it's like you work at a diner and it got held up. Now, every time you work at the diner, even though you never worried about it before, you worry it's going to get held up again. Cause that was traumatic for you. That's self-preservational. That's yeah. good. That's natural. But she started, I, I was like, really give a voice to the fear, let it talk. And yeah. in fact, if you can write it down, write down what it's saying. And she, uh, I won't share everything she said, but one of them was, she was like, I'm going to be put in a insane asylum uh, (laughs) and I'm going to um, be in a gown and I'll never come back. And I started walking her through this. We never would have called it a meditation. I was just holding her. I was talking to her and sort of talking about you're the sky and even that fear is just a cloud. And where does it go? And and at one point I go, and can you notice that your fear of being institutionalized may be from having seen the preview to the movie Girl Interrupted when you were 15? <laughs> yeah. And she laughed so hard. And that was such a break. For yeah. Her. Because like you're saying, where are these things coming from? Well, they're coming from, yeah what you're getting
0: the infinite yeah
1: and whenever i take a psychedelic and i i have a a wonderful time i'm like the shit i'm putting in is in there Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so i i end up feeling really grateful that earth pete spends time contemplating compassion thinking about loving kindness wondering about the love that's holding me together right now. The yes, we, you don't have to say the the love, you can just say the yes, that's keeping my molecules together. Even as some of my molecules leave and go in the microphone and some of them were in my Cheerios earlier and now they're me and I'm me, but something is kind of gelling me. We can call that a yes and being grateful for that yes and being grateful for consciousness and agency and the ability to sort of, um, maybe the illusion of an ability to like favor certain things in my brain and cultivate a little garden. Here's my love. Here's my compassion. Here's my good. And then when I take a psychedelic, something that goes like, all right, everything that's in there is going to go in the Vitamix. So we're going to shoot it back at you. Sometimes at some in pretty intense speeds. You're like, I'm really glad I spent a lot of time thinking on to quote the bible what's good and holy and beautiful and just and right instead of i'm not saying people that watch horror movies constantly have bad trips i'm just saying yeah work we do matters because what our brain is look yeah. at how many of us think coca-cola makes the a barbecue more fun you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we're so much more susceptible
0: That's than we think we are perfect example
1: <laughs> i always I, say love, I
0: love when people are like like I have friends that drink too much soda, and they're like, "Ah, but water's so boring." I'm like, "Is soda just this thrill ride for that's, you?" Of like, that's a
1: Seinfeld bit. He has a bit where he's like, really? be, be watching a soda commercial while you're drinking the soda they're advertising. he's <laughs> yeah. like they're doing backflips on jets <laughs> and you're looking at the can like, maybe I'm doing it wrong. <laughs>
0: I um uh, well I I want to thank I mean you you are someone that lives by what you preach the spaciousness stuff I reached out to at the beginning of this pandemic when I when I first like I I wasn't I had taken a break from uh, I hadn't talked to with that many scientists for a month or two because sometimes I'm working on other projects I thought that it was like I thought COVID was like media hype for a minute I was like wait what's happening and then I reached out to like infectious disease people and people that like mathematically model pandemics and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, like everyone needs to hear this in a hurry. And I'm hearing like a lot of the same denial I had and stuff like that. And, and like every platform needs to, and people are starting to dig in already and it's getting political and everyone just needs to hear like experts that, and I reached out to So many different people with bigger – because my show is – I have people on that have, like, 200 Twitter followers. They're just average people with average jobs. They just happen to be academics, and they happen to be experts in this stuff. And you, Pete, were the only person that had – you were the only – I'm like, I'm not doing this for me. Like, this isn't – I don't want my name mentioned – I'm like, just for humanity, will you please just have, like – just so people can hear what scientists are actually up to. Uh, some of this stuff is being repressed in the media, and people aren't, like, I would love to, and people are making, like, mad scientist conspiracies, and I just want people to hear, like, what science actually sounds like, and you were the only person <laughs> that had this woman, Nina Pfefferman, on, and I appreciate you so much, and I appreciate... um Yeah, I appreciate all you've done for me and my career. I think you're just a wonderful human being.
1: That's really sweet. Thank you so much. uh, As our as our Jewish friend said, that was a mitzvah. I mean, like somebody. I think we're all going like, "What can I do?" Yeah, and I think if I was really uh, what you're saying, I would have tried to find one myself. But you just told me one, and I was like, (laughs) "Well, this is a no brainer." Yeah, Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean. It's heavy stuff i it can be hard to talk about the big picture when so much suffering is is happening so I do want to just extend some sympathy and some uh solidarity with all the suffering that people are going through oh yeah of course and I really loved what you just said, which was like what I the the conspiracies that I used to think you know like he used to think it was media hype I think that is as Ramda says there's nobody in the other boat. Meaning there's the story where a guy's rowing his boat in the fog and he runs into another boat and he starts yelling, like, watch where you're going. You scared the hell out of me. You almost tipped me over. The fog clears and there's nobody in the boat. It's just a boat floating. Yeah, And that's something I come back to time and time again. Meaning if we lose compassion and understanding and spaciousness, a simple way to say that is if we lose our center An REM way of saying that would be if we lose our religion, but if we lose our, our anchor. Yeah. To what's really vital. Um, then the whole thing's bullshit. Then we're just an ego dressed in different. Look how shiny my enlightenment is or whatever it might mm-hmm. be, but w- w- of what good is it? You know what I mean? That's why I, sorry, I know we're wrapping up, but like, when oh, somebody,
0: I'm, I'm, in, I'm just being respectable. Uh, respectful I appreciate for your that time. only because I'm.
1: <laughs> it's funny that we were talking about eating. I was like, I am going to go eat. Yeah. Um, somebody asked Buddha the meaning of life. The story goes, and I say that with respect, not to say it's not historically accurate. Um, mm. Somebody said, "What's the meaning of life?" And Buddha's answer is basically, "What business is that of yours?" And people that have had weird psychedelic trips sort of know the humor in that answer. It sounds like mm. something a psychedelic would say to you it's like what what are you okay but he says it's like somebody got hit in the leg with an arrow and if you're hitting the leg with an arrow don't waste your time wondering who shot the arrow like you're walking through the woods you got hit with an arrow get the arrow out like mend your leg like so his point is like end suffering increase spaciousness increase compassion increase patience, increase some sort of, even if it's a nonverbal, non-intellectual understanding of when we can shut off all of our thoughts and our identities and our games that we're playing. I'm the husband and I'm an American and I'm from Detroit or whatever it might be. When all of that sediment settles, there's a very clear lake that we all are. And that's an Alan Watts. That's what we are. We don't have to talk about it. We don't have to understand it but it can inform how we behave with one another. So when you said, I used to believe those things. Yeah, I used to be, I know that there could have been a circumstance that I would have been in, that I would have loved Trump. You know what it is? Uh, Being surrounded by my parents and my loved ones and my friends and my community, loving Trump and telling me that this is this and this is better. And I happen to be in the California experience. And um, Yeah. Pete, what's his name? Pete Rawlings said to me, he goes, you need to remember that your religion comes down to where and when and to whom you were born. And that's some of the humility we're talking about. When we get really caught up in our certainty, you need to remember you could have been born at a time when you might have been in the Third Reich. You might have been like a really good Nazi. You might have been a really good atheist. You might have been like, just realize that you're the same thing that thinks Coca-Cola makes a barbecue a good time. So you're the, you're the product of your environment. So if an environment, an inner environment is so malleable and so persuadable, it can't be the real game. It's part of the game, but the real game is not the images on the screen, it's the light that's projecting those images on the screen the yeah. light that shines through the slide that projects me talking to you right now, but let's get in touch with the light, but let's get in touch with the light so that you can understand people that love QAnon and understand people that love uh, things that you don't love or understand, because that's just you. There's nobody in the other boat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's a difficult journey, but uh, admirable one. Yeah. Let, let me, one me know how one. you do. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. going to get on Twitter and
1: troll people. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> troll people, but I have people that I, I have to mute on Twitter. People that are close to me, where I'm just like, "You are such an idiot." So I don't. Yeah. I'm not saying I know how to do this, but I think the pursuit itself is worth worth something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Well, uh, speaking of um, super superficial shininess, uh, do you do you have any new things that I'm unaware of that you, that you wanna? That you want to plug? What do you uh, have? You gotten into any that you're comfortable sharing? Any new, uh, any things that you're working on? Quarantine projects, anything like that, or just I, I've, just being I, a dad, I, just dad. I'm it being up? a
1: dad. I'm dadding a lot. I'm I'm lucky if I work a couple hours. Somebody Val just told me that. I think it was Hemingway said that he had four good hours in him every day, and I was like, I completely relate to that. Mm-hmm. I don't think the creative schedule should be nine to five. I think that's no. I think that's artists pretending that they have real jobs yeah. uh, by working all day. And sometimes it's good, but like with what I'm doing, I'm, I'm writing a bunch of scripts. So I'm very fortunate that that's giving me that project, you know, because if we want to have a like a more humanist conversation, having meaning, having progress, having a drive, figuring out, as Russell Brand said, what you want to do and what the world needs that's your purpose mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all for that stuff i'm not a complete renunciate i i like having these projects and i'm grateful that i can get up and work on them but uh, we're still at a phase where everything's just in development it's all sort of pre-announcement but hopefully soon i'll have something to share
0: awesome well uh thank you for joining me pete yeah I envy
1: envy your beard. That's a great beard.
0: (laughs) I've never grown a beard before. I had no idea this could happen. And uh,
1: I guess it was supposed to happen this whole time. Beards. I was just thinking like hoods, like when you wear a hood, like why is this like kind of holy? And I'm like, it's what it feels like to go inside. It's like, (laughs) it's the externalization of like what it feels like to go inward is like huddling up and something about a beard too it's like i just i i don't even resist my facial hair that's how that's how with it i am you're in there, there, there fighting is. what is and i'm just like let it be let it be
0: oh but it's like a like mustaches have this vibe of like it's overly curated that's it and like there's that's a real choice
1: like i had okay. a bit i was like if you have a beard it's cool because it's like, maybe you're just like a wild man. If you have a mustache, it's like you're shaving and you're like, just this, just keep that. And before it was hack, I was like, what are you a professional bowler? Are you a porn star? Are you a police officer? Uh,
0: Everyone check out the fantastic uh, Pete Holmes. I, You're so much more than a comedian. Uh, Fantastic (laughs) podcaster, uh, uh, author of the book Comedy Sex God. Check out You Made It Weird. Check out uh, Crashing on HBO. Uh, His site has a bunch of uh, old sketches and stuff that are um, absolutely fantastic.
1: Oh, and And... on Hulu, I I wrote two episodes of The Simpsons that are sort of about what we're talking about. Oh, I saw that. You you got... (sighs) Dude, you are to, you are crushing that. life. No, that is not that's very sweet, and that's I feel the amazing. same way because I'm like the Simpsons is such a big the deal. Simpsons, but I'm plugging it here specifically, yeah, because I wrote sermons, basically, yeah, about how which episodes
0: I, I got to watch them.
1: It's called Warren Priests, like warring, but Warren Warren Priests, like uh-huh. Warren Peace. It's it's a two parter. And I wrote these sermons and I have a standoff with Ned Flanders <laughs> where we're, we're, we're debating Bible passages and like it's very in line with what we're talking about. There's one point that my character makes. Uh, his name is Bodhi. Um, about how like look at nature. Right. Which is what Jesus was always saying, by the way. He didn't quote. Uh, the scriptures as much as he's just kept saying, like, look around, look at the birds, look at the trees, look at this, look at that. And my character in that style, you know, following in that tradition, I guess, is saying like, religion wants to make everybody the same kind of flower. It's like, I'm not saying Baptists or Pentecostals or this group or that group isn't beautiful. But like, once you're a daisy, you go out and you're like, now we must make everyone else a daisy. But it's like, look at the world. There's so, the world loves diversity. Mm -hmm. It loves, it goes out of its way to make diversity and to adapt and evolve more and more diverse. It makes all the different kinds of flowers and it makes the thorns and it makes droughts and it makes deserts too. Meaning it's like, it's all in the game. Like notice, you're not a visitor here. That's you. That's why the poets are always like, "Look at the ocean." That's you. We're all like, we're all like waves. You know what I mean? We forgot we're the ocean, and we're like, "I'm a wave. I'm a wave. I'm a wave." And when you're <laughs> ninety-eight, you you sizzle onto the shore. You're 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 drenched in clues. That's that's sort of his point.
0: I I man, going going back in time, you talking to young Pete, the, it would have it would have been like you'll be in Conan by the time that you're the thirty. <laughs> Uh, Own talk show by 31 or whatever. HBO show by by 35. He would have been like, okay, I'm writing all this down. And then he would have been like, and then you're going to have uh spiritual debate with Ned Flanders. Yeah. Uh, the, you would have been like all right get out of here. No <laughs> no no uh, yeah I I believed the HBO 3 seasons yeah, that's of my right. own show that I wrote started yeah, and is about my life.
1: <laughs> yeah, I that's stopped watching thing. The Simpsons because Ned Flanders offended me. Really. Like, at a certain point in my Christian life, I was like, "This is inappropriate. They're making fun of my faith. So mm. I was like, "I don't like the Simpsons. Of course, mm. I really did. But and then to come back and in my own voice, talk to Ned Flanders, uh, Amazing. luckily, I got to script both sides of the debate, so I won. but <laughs> 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 i
0: I love that. Those are my favorite debates. I love a good. I, I like to after after having an interaction with something, I love the drive home and imagining them on in like the passenger seat and then imagining them making a bunch of stupid points yeah. that I then slam them down yeah. to reinforce how yeah. smart my ideas were. Uh, I love it. Um, it's happening
1: somewhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Pete, uh, you are fantastic. Thank you, my friend for joining the here Boy, we is, are podcast. Is that, and- is that a
1: Jack Land painting, by the way?
0: It is. It is. I was I was going to I was going to bring it up. I know a mutual friend. I saw you were just on his podcast yeah. recently. He I listens- have
1: one of those. I it's not the same. I have a similar painting in my upstairs bedroom.
0: Is yours better? or
1: Yeah, I think it is better. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I gotta go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, he's great. I just wanted to give him a shout out.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was going to as well. uh Yeah, he's a he's a listener of both of our podcasts. And oh, that's great. Amazing. Hey, Jake. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I call him J Y A C K because he's Australian.
0: <laughs> <T-Y-Z>. uh <laughs> <laughs> All right uh you're wonderful my friend thank you listeners for being such wonderful curious people we'll talk with you more next week Mm -hmm. thanks for watching the show everybody uh i i hope you enjoyed it and let me know what you think put comments in the old youtube if you like uh and hey you wondering what to get your um, favorite or top 10 or top 100 uh, podcast host for the holidays, for the holiday season. What to get a podcast host? Well, this isn't just for me, but I would say any of the artists that you appreciate and want to support. I bet you they sure would appreciate support on Patreon for one, and they'd also understand not everyone has money to give, not everyone is interested in uh, joining Discord and finding a community of amazing, insightful people who share a bunch of their own thoughts and ideas. And uh, But they would understand um, that everyone's stretched a little thin, Right now, not everyone's interested in that, so there's so many free ways you can support. For example, in addition to creating this YouTube channel, uh, which, uh, unlike the uh, the audio downloads, which I we spent six years building an audience, uh, figuring out the YouTube thing, all these new algorithms and whatnot, and I gotta get on other shows to promote, and blah, blah, blah uh making sure you subscribe that helps a bunch uh sharing any highlights that you like with people helps a bunch positive feedback comments questions of your own on youtube that helps and there's things like instagram which i also just started getting on and i'm close to having 10000 instagram followers isn't bad considering i didn't really use it until uh until covid and uh so you know a lot of times you see these things and people are like yay i have this many followers aren't i special i'm not after that there's actually some functionality like a swipe up feature uh that allows me to put in links and make ease of use or make increases ease of use for creators on Instagram once they hit 10,000 followers. So it makes my job easier and it makes it easier for me to get you more content and better content and and uh, things like that if I have uh, 10,000 followers or more. So there's things like that. Things like uh, YouTube unlocks once you have a certain number of views and subscribers and Whatnot Uh, you know certain certain privileges and stuff that that creators uh, Get at certain levels, so it's a huge thing that helps out and every time you say Write a positive review on iTunes or stitcher or something like that Those are all things that get factored into our algorithm gods so the gods know hey, this is something people are interested in. We'll show this to more people and see if the, those people like this thing too. And those gods that don't really know what they're doing. They're relying on you guys, commenting, thumbs-upping things, stuff like that. So if you want to help me out, do that. But here's what I care most about. We are really going into a, a high risk time in terms of getting COVID, and I sure hope that you'll just consider erring toward the side of caution. Just this this prime this this time right now until February beyond that too as well but with with the gatherings happening with all of the constraints of winter having people go uh, meeting indoors more and everything else hospitals are going to be being overrun so many people are going to get covid the the long term impacts it, it could be haunting us for years and years to come people people that are are borderline asymptomatic that end up having long-term impacts from COVID and we don't know I might be wrong okay I might be wrong about all of this and if I am that's fine if every academic that I've had on the show has been wrong about this then get mad at us for it in February or March or whatever but if Ever there was a time if you're on the fence with some decisions if ever there was a time to just be a little more uh, erring toward the side of caution if you haven't gotten COVID so far guys oh we're so close to vaccine you might not uh, you don't want to take a vaccine okay that's still other people taking a vaccine is still going to make the world a safer place for you Heading into summer, warmer weather, people being outdoors, is still going to make the world a safer place for you. People still adjusting to masks and wearing more masks, which I believe that they will. Even if you don't do that, it will still be a safer place for you. So, say, just like, as a social experiment or something, just to go on the weird, crazy journey, what's it like to hunker down and and explore social relationships get together with uh with people on uh, old high school buddies on zoom or maybe online date or have uh create uh, long distance friendships with with people and call people more and things like that and and Uh, maybe I'll try ordering groceries instead of going in, even though it's probably not even mitigating my risks that much. No one's saying like, oh my God, don't go into a grocery store, but hey, maybe it's a small little thing that decreases your chances just this much, just, just for kicks, just as a puzzle, just as a fun little puzzle to navigate. Much in the same way <laughs> that you might throw on lucky socks or something. Or, uh, you know, I, I don't, how about, how about risk being a sheeple for two months for your old buddy Shane? Risk having OCD and and buying into fear-mongering nonsense. Just for two months. I believe if you're smart enough to question the mass media hysteria right now You'll be smart enough to question it again. If you buy into it a little bit for two months please (laughs) For me, I'll respect you so much if you do I really will we all have a lot of different takes on this And, uh, it would, it would go a long ways in, in this guy believing in humanity a whole lot more if you just, uh, make a little bit of effort, uh, over the next two months. I'm doing it, guys. I promise you. I'm going to take some calculated risks here and there. And I, and I'll, I'll share them with you, but I am, I am, uh, whew, I'm, I'm, I've been on the real safe side and that still doesn't make me. I'm, I'm still, There's. I'm in a bubble with other people so I could still get COVID because they're going out more and maybe uh, not uh, uh, following distancing guidelines uh, as much. And I can't be there to know that all of the time. So I might get COVID you know, and I'll have, I'll have sat here for, uh, nine months being so outrageously careful, and after all that, get it anyway, and that will be a bummer, but the reason why that's happening is because not enough people are taking this seriously enough, and it continues to spread, and so... At least for the sake of other people. Just err to the side of caution. Just in the peak of this thing. The curve will start to flatten out by March or something. But it will definitely be peaking in January. So, if I'm wrong, oh, amazing. Ah, oh, Boy, that will be like my favorite thing I've ever been wrong about. And you can make fun of me for overreacting or whatever else. All right, you guys get it. Um, <laughs> it's a tricky balance. How much you hit people over the head with this, or my screaming into the void, or I don't know. Whatever. That's just the way I see things. I appreciate you guys hearing my perspective, and thanks for listening, watching, doing all those things. You guys are great. Those of you that listen all the way to the end, you're my favorites. Thanks.